Night falls on the golden age of humanity. Sons shall turn upon their father, and his worlds drown in blood. The eye shall open, and the galaxy will burn. Join us, listeners. We go into the canon lore of the Forge World Black Books on Heresy Grad School. Professors Jason, Patrick, and Dave, myself, will dive into the lore of the Black Books and the Black Library novels that we know and love and explore the heresy as history. So get a coffee, get your notebook out, and uh, prepare to explore heresy as history with us on Heresy Grad School. Yes. Hey everybody! <laughs> Jeez, it's even worse when you hear him. Um, hey everybody! Welcome to a uh, another Heresy Grad School episode, part of the Remembrancers Retreat. Um, I'm uh, Patrick. I'm here with Professors Jason and Dave, as well as our special uh, adjunct professor for the day, uh, Jake. And we're going into mech houses. Now I know uh, yeah, Jason and Dave. <laughs> I know Jason and Dave uh, wanted to do some initial general coverage, and then I think Dave, you're going to talk about the pack morbidia, right? I am. Yeah. What's up, guys? And then uh, Jake's going to go into some uh, house attracts. Can do a deep dive on that. So, uh, without further ado, Jason, you want to take it away? Guys, what is going on this evening? All right, tonight. This is what we were talking about last time. This is, uh, Dave and I kind of got into this, uh, thinking it was going to be maybe a single episode, and then we figured out just how deep this, like, pool of information and lore goes. And, uh, we would like to think we're nothing if not thorough, so, uh, we're going to delve into the depths of what makes every type of nighthouse tick. And, uh, of course, I'm a little biased. I'm a Mechanicum player since, uh, Thalax first on pre-order from Forge World. And the oath-bound vassal houses of the Mechanicum are always something that attracted me, uh, both in 28 and now in 8mm, Adeptus Titanicus. But uh, the knights that we talked about last time originally came out in 6th edition, and they are much, much more fleshed out now than they were originally. And their entire way of interacting with the Imperium at large undergoes such a drastic change in the 10,000 or so years between uh, the discovery of houses in the Great Crusade and on into the 40k time. So what we're going to talk uh, specifically about, or what I'm going to talk about right now, are how those houses of the Mechanicum differ, uh, not just from the Imperial households, but a little how they differ amongst themselves in exactly how much sway uh, the Mechanicum has over them, because it is along the lines of a pretty wide spectrum. So uh, first off, uh, if you guys will remember way back, um, many, many episodes ago, Dave and I did a pretty, pretty deep dive on how the Mechanicum is arranged. And there is a enormous uh, uh, different uh, chart of all the ways 
down from the uh, synod of a forge world and into all the different departments of the Mechanicum uh, that these guys are arranged. And knights, the Questoris Familia, uh, are completely separate from the Mechanicum Togmata, uh, even the Autocratori, the guys that uh, are specifically in charge of maintaining the Titan Legios, uh, even though knights very commonly work closely with Titan Legios, they and their attendant tech priests, the Sacristans, are their own sort of, um, think of it like a different subspecies in that uh, evolutionary ladder. So, first off, the knight houses, as they are rediscovered, it's almost a, um, it's like a internecine, not a conflict, but like a uh, race to get the most out of it between Imperial agents and Mechanicum agents. Because the very first Nighthouse rediscovered during the Great Crusade was on Crisis and was House Crast. And even on into the 40k timeline, they're very proud of being the very first house to be recovered during the Great Crusade. And they are very much a Mechanicum house, but they are towards the symbiotic relationship end of the spectrum. Uh, they get along very well with the Mechanicum of forty or the Mechanicus of forty k, and they, while still being an imperial aligned house, they are very much at the not the whim of the Fabricator General, but they are very much in a mutual relationship. Uh, and so the difference here that we wanted to take a look at as we look a little deeper into specifically Mechanicum houses uh, is the difference between a bonded house and an allied house, and even on into the far end of the spectrum are something called thrall houses. So sworn Mechanicum houses still have a lot of the same traditions and fiefdoms and notions of nobility that the imperial houses do, and we touched on that a little bit last time. But these Mechanicum houses have had hundreds or even thousands of years of influence from the Mechanicum to their traditions and appearance. Uh, they've basically had a mutual relationship of trade going back and forth. And this goes for both technology and uh, different ideas and takes on customs, their worship of the Omnissiah, things like that. Uh, a lot of these uh, bonded houses have archaeotech weapons and they have access to some of the very mechanicum heavy knight armors like the atropos uh the styrix and the magera and uh <clears throat> on the super far end of that like the thrall houses are houses that have become so completely indebted to the mechanicum that they really have no say anymore in like where their knights are what they're used for or anything like that uh some it even touches on uh, there are rumors of knights being, uh, or knight scions, I should say, the pilots, being sealed in their throne mechanicums and augmented with different uh, bionics from mechanicums so that they can operate without the need for sustenance or sleep. And the thing to remember, too, as we get a little deeper into this, uh, even imperial-aligned houses that are very strictly uh, emperor first, mechanicum second, they still have a very heavy Mechanicum influence because the sacristan tech priests uh, are a denomination of tech priests. They do have to go to Mars and essentially complete their internship and you know become ordained tech priests of the Martian Mechanicum. So, 
the entire influence uh, of Mars and the Mechanicum at large towards these night houses are maintained by something called the Sidon Protocols. And this is a really intricate web of uh, influence between uh, obligation and duty from the night house and supply, rearmament, and spiritual guidance from their parent forge. And while the night house acts as a shield and protector to the forge world they're bound to, the forge world agrees to maintain their knights, to rearm their knights, sometimes to exchange technology. Uh, and it said this is especially evident in very far-flung forges that kind of offer mutual support to night houses because it's their only means of survival that far away. Now, on the, uh, on the far end of this, this can lead to a loss of independence for a household uh, to the point, again, where they're almost enthralled to the whims of the Mechanicum uh, forge world they're bound to. Uh, the Sidon Protocols, too, allow for a lot of different rights that imperial houses do not have access to. The most uh, prestigious of which is the right to bear the Opus Mechanicum as part of the heraldry of the Night House. Uh, it's a mark of the authority of Mars and the duty of that Night House to the Togmata of their patron forge, and it really sets them apart from their imperial brethren. Now, the imperial knights, too, I'm sure you've heard the term Questorus uh, by this point, that's actually the indication of a night house that it's attached to an expeditionary fleet or actively on crusade. And the, uh, the, opus, uh, the opus mechanicum actually indicates the loyalty of the night house to Mars and its patron forge above and beyond those of its ties of loyalty to the emperor. And it's a subtle distinction, but it kind of leads to a little bit of distrust from a lot of imperial commanders because... They kind of feel that their interests aren't held first to those that can be a little shifty from the Mechanicum. Uh, and what the Sidon Protocols allows for at the Night World home base is the installation of what's called an Archmagos Prelate. Uh, he's sort of the given representative to the Night World, and he ostensibly kind of oversees the service and the training of the sacristans. Uh, but also he kind of acts as an forcer and an influence towards the master of the household from the parent forge. And he does function as a link between the household scions and the structure of the Tagmata the patron forge is pledged to. Um, and this is a really big deal for an Archmagos. I know we've spoken many times on how the Mechanicum is arranged in a big giant robot church, yes, but you also move up the ranks of that robot church based on your holdings. And while technology, standard template constructs, automata are all good to have, a night world and having influence over that night world is a phenomenal uh, bump up the corporate ladder, as it were. So it's a very kind of potent dose of prestige in that sort of web of political machinations that is the mechanical hierarchy. And a lot of these households have been used as enforcers and bargaining pieces in these political arguments in, you know, different ranking synods. So uh, the remaining aspects of the Sidon protocols kind of deal with their terms of service, like you know, the number and patterns of armor that are supplied to the night world from the parent forge, and the number that uh, Night World is responsible for gifting or uh, granting to the Tagmata when it calls for aid. And this kind of builds a codependency between the Paradigm Forge and the Night World again. And 
One of the important things to the Mechanicum is pilots for these knight armors because they're not under the same sort of restrictions and they're better at critical thinking, at uh, working things out on the fly. And they have the experience of dozens of years of campaigning, which an automata does not have and can't really match. Uh, But this does kind of make for a kind of entertaining interplay between the sort of neo-feudal culture that a lot of night worlds have. And they have some pretty bizarre interpretations of their patron forge worship of the Omnissiah. So that kind of tends to be an irritation to a lot of Archmagos prelates, because uh, they're kind of seen as uh, a little, say, steeped in uh, archaic terms and a little colloquial. So um, many of these households that have been found and bonded to the Mechanicum, uh, they've stayed in contact with the Mechanicum during the old night. But this is very few and far between. Uh, Some of these houses have been completely cut off for tens, hundreds, sometimes even thousands of years. I know we talked on the timeline about that a little bit more last time. But um, some of these have been uh, regressed or have regressed to a feudal or feral world status that only really maintain traditions of their origins. They may not have had functioning knight armors for hundreds of thousands of years, but they still have that same sort of feudal tradition of fiefdoms and barons. And the few that have survived were incredibly highly prized during the Great Crusade. And the Great Crusade made acquisitions of these households an absolute priority. Uh, They were very much trying to secure secure loyalty to the emperor ahead of the Mechanicum uh, and required the imperial you know, uh, representatives to represent them in dealings with the Mechanicum. So a lot of Imperial Aligned Rogue traders were trying to find them ahead of time to install a sort of Imperial middleman before the Mechanicum could get to them and influence them. And this kind of illustrates how the Imperium is less like, you know, one conglomerate, more sort of a loose alliance of powers, you know, constantly hedging their bets. However, some houses were still happened upon first by Mechanicum explorer fleets, or even cede control to the forge in exchange for industrial output or defense of a Tagmata. Uh, many forges in a really poor state didn't have that many options other than just basically giving up to any demands from a patron forge. I know we uh, talked about Macabius last time. Uh, Dave brought up a really good point in that they were basically down to running on uh, diesel fuel and uh, big giant industrial spears. So uh, they were not running so hot, and they had to give up a lot in order to have a functioning night house again. And a lot of these houses are used by Archmagi uh, as pretty much bondage, kind of kept in line by their need for rearmament, maintenance, and trained sacristans. And some of these instances of the Sidon Protocols actually formed, you know, pretty pretty beneficial alliances of a symbiotic relationship but some were used to strangle the independence of those night houses to the will of patron forges. Some of the worst occasions even saw the night houses that were basically too far gone, and they were almost enslaved to this role of sort of like a shock assault vanguard, very minimal support, and ultimately used as expendable. They were supplied only minimally, and they were given older, outdated armors to basically do as much as they can before falling over. Now, uh, at this point, I think I'm going to turn it over to Dave here because I've been talking for plenty of time 
And uh, Dave was pretty excited to get into a couple of things here tonight. Thanks, Jason. Um, yeah, man, uh, it's, it's a lot to cover and uh, it's so good. <clears throat> so if you guys want to follow along at home, uh, Jason was just uh, talking about some of the lore out of book four and uh, started on page 96. Um, we're up to 98. Some of the things I wanted to bring in here, um, I talked about last time, which was really the story of, of knights and night houses, both bonded Mechanicum houses and Imperial night houses really is the story of humanity, right? It's the story of, of uh, you know, the human species march through the galaxy. And in, in I think it's uh, uh, the Knight Codex, 6th edition Knight Codex, there's a, um, page 38, there's a, a timeline called A Legacy of Honor. And it really charts uh, the, the, conquest of the galaxy from the very beginning right so m1 and uh from m1 to m15 is the age of terra and then from m15 to the m25 is the age of technology so it's a fascinating way to look at uh the uh you know the the galaxy and the timeline of human humanity through the eyes of of the night houses so that's a cool little box that i wanted to call out and uh, then I think this is uh, the seventh edition Night Codex on page. Let's see here. It doesn't have pages because why would you have pages? Um, it's called The Foundation of the Night Worlds. Um, it's very cool. I talked about this a little bit the last episode, but I'll just read this paragraph here because I think it's really cool. A single knight, specially augmented and trained, could control a night suit. A handful of knights could protect a city while dozens could safeguard a continent. They could stride unharmed through extreme environments and survive dangerous atmospherics. But most importantly, the knights were equipped for combat. The remote settlers used knights as their shield, sending them to war against indigenous alien populations. Under the light of strange stars, the towering metal giants hunted down and did battle with colossal beasts and destroyed raiding armies. With blade and cannon, the night suits proved all but unstoppable. The mailed fist of interstellar human colonization. Slowly, the new realms began to prosper. So I think that speaks to really the importance of knights, not just in um, the Great Crusade and the heresy to follow and then into M41, right, which is the Warhammer, you know, the Dark Imperium. But, you know, the story of knights is the story of human colonization through the galaxy. It was, they were, they were, they gave us our foothold. Uh, they were able to battle off, you know, Xenos as well as, you know, um, hostile uh, climates and void uh, problems. So, so <clears throat> I think that's very cool. Um, and there's a lot of other compendiums and, and stuff that we'll link to in the, in the show notes. But um, I think the big part of Knights and the Heresy that I wanted to get to, Jason, was the Pact of Morbidia. And I don't know if we're, we're quite there yet. Um, I think there's probably a few things we need to, to cover before we get into that particular aspect of thraldom and uh, the particular way they are subjugated by Mars, which is fascinating. Um, 
I definitely want to get to that in this episode, though, but I don't know if we're there yet. All right, guys. So the next thing I wanted to talk about here uh, is what's uh, the next little section, the Blade of the Omnissiah. It's uh, one of the biggest parts of the Nighthouse's operation is in a Togmata. And after they're pledged to a Mechanicum uh, stronghold, to a Forge World, uh, they're represented by the Archmagos Prelate in the Synod of that Forge World as well. Uh, again, he acts as like their chosen representative through pretty much every stage of the process and kind of acts as like the liaison between the parent Forge and Nighthouse. So the house itself is rarely involved in its own deployment. Uh, it's most commonly required to assign a cadre of knights to any significant Togmata muster. And it's under the direction then of the Archmagos controlling that Tagmata, but they serve under their own officers as sort of like a command structure apart. Now, knights themselves serve as shock troops and line breakers, and they're definitely valued over automata for their own initiative and independent thought as much as their brute force. And while they are line breakers for basically breaking holes in enemy lines to know make room for pulp mechanicum forces another very essential part of what they do is as assigned escorts for ordinatus engines now again way back when we talked about the legionis scutari uh you know that's one of their very big uh principal functions within a togmata as well this is another one of those places where many of those departments of mechanicum overlap to kind of work towards the same common goal. So, uh, some of the bigger forges can pull multiple nighthouses, but one of the, um, uh, alongside those Ordinatus engines, that will bring us to how the knights interact with the Titan Geos. So, while night worlds during the Age of Strife were typically well protected, uh, so far as it goes, because you've got tons of, you know, massive armors stomping around, typically works pretty well for home security. Uh, but they were unparalleled in their defense for their world, but they also became kind of stagnant and resistant to change because, again, who's going to you know, come to your planet and tell a family of nobles with a bunch of knight armors what to do? It didn't happen that often until like the Imperium or Mechanicum at large came along and they found out they were part of something much larger. Uh, this made the worlds especially attractive to the Mechanicum is that because they were essentially these tiny microcosms of, you know, technology that were preserved for thousands of years. And a lot of these night houses were a little bit naive so far as it went. They were fiercely dedicated to honor and loyalty uh, to their houses, which is something we talked about last time. It kind of seeps in through the throne mechanicum after, you know, tens of years of piloting and, uh, really reinforces those senses of like duty and loyalty to your house. And a lot of the time this caused a lot of clashing between uh, Imperial commanders and Nighthouse nobles when they were first integrated into the Imperium. Uh, they saw those traditions as kind of overblown and ostentatious, but once they saw what the Nighthouses could do when deployed, they were quickly warmed to. And they definitely thought it was worth the trade-off of those ostentatious ceremonies if you could have something like a lance of knights at your disposal. It got to the point even Astartes legions looked forward to their knight allies. And uh, 
<laughs> What's interesting is of those uh, original great houses, uh, there are four of them, Cadmus, Tyron, uh, Griffith, and Hawkshroud. And each of those houses were imperial aligned. And all of them, except uh, House Tyrannus, uh, Dave talked about last time, are subject to the will of the throne Mechanicum. So, uh, throne Mechanicum is something that the knights sort of share along with Titans. And it's definitely been many wide-ranging arguments. Are knights Titans? Yes. Period. Uh, knights are definitely Titans. They're not power armor. Uh, Astarte's Warplate does not show the same symbiotic relationship with its uh, wearer or pilot. It does not have, especially during the heresy, uh, does not have anywhere near the same sort of influence or machine spirit. It doesn't have the same character and personality uh, that knights absolutely share with titans. Uh, titan machine spirits are something that is so influential to the princeps pilot in them that it can actually some titans can function semi-autonomously. And the throne mechanicum is no different. Uh, it's essentially a tiny titan manifold uplink, and each of these knight titans has its own history and personality and you know acquired characteristics from the scions that have come before it. And the throne mechanicum is where that transfer happens between the scion and the knight armor. Uh, it allows the noble to imprint his personality upon the armor itself, and its traits are echoed and exchanged by the machine long after the noble himself has passed away. Uh, the throne also influences the pilot, too, like we talked about earlier. Uh, it gives really positive associations with notions of fealty, obligation, hierarchy, and a deep respect for your ancestors and your house. And the exact installation and operation is kind of a mystery, even in 30K. And the possibility is raised that these routines were intentionally implanted and designed as sort of a safeguard against the potential of rogue pilots. Now, um, what's interesting is how these night houses work along Titan legions. Uh, and just like the Mechanicum sort of spectrum of symbiotic relationships, has a lot of variation in it with how they interact in nighthouses. Same thing to the Titan Legios. Uh, some of them use nighthouses as skirmishers and scouts. And it's, you know, maybe kind of difficult to think of like an eight meter tall, you know, dozens of tons war armor as a scout. But compared to a Titan Legio, they're very fast, they're very nimble, and they can relay things a lot faster than the Titan house. Themselves. And the Titan Legios are in constant need of support. Uh, that's why the entire Secutari division of the Skitari were formed specifically to protect and take care of things that are either under, you know, too small for a Titan itself to worry about, or are so difficult or impractical for a Titan to worry about that it required an entirely different branch of the Mechanicum's hierarchy to work on. So, uh, in that same vein, uh, knight houses can even, uh, entire lances of knights from individual houses can be inducted into Titan Legios. And 
I know it's a big article of debate over, you know, uh, is it a bad idea to paint your knights in the same you know, color scheme as your titans? But honestly, there's plenty of precedent for it. Uh, it ranges anywhere from uh, night houses taking on a couple of the icons of their assigned legios, all the way to uh, neuron indoctrination and taking entire you know, color schemes, their entire panoply and coat of arms. So it's a pretty wide range there. We're going to get so much hate mail after you said that. That's uh, okay with me. We've got strong opinions. Yeah, and we do have the lore to back it up, but just, you know, some people get butthurt about it. Hey, I mean, when it comes down to things where people want to argue on it, uh, if somebody from Forge World said it, uh, if it's written in a book by Alan Bly, I generally take, you know, their word over a rando on the internet. But, uh, again, I've been talking far too long. Uh, Dave, let me turn it on for you. Hey, thanks, Jason. Um, no, man, it's uh, it's really when you talk about drone mechanics. Actually, this is kind of a perfect segue uh, into um, the Pact uh, of Morbidia and some of the night houses that were on Mars before the Throne Mechanicum uh, really came into being. So we had a question from one of our listeners, Alex, um, Alex from Australia. He's a, he's a, a fan of the, the podcast and um, we appreciate his, uh, his questions and his support. And I think his question was, correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, but I think it was, um, could a Forge World create a nighthouse, you know, since they manufacture them anyway, right? They sort of make them. Could a Forge World create a nighthouse as part of a Tagmata or to support, um, you know, its sort of military efforts uh, elsewhere? Do we have examples of that? So the example I have, Alex, and the example I would, I would give our listeners is Mars, right? Did Mars as a Forge World create nighthouses? That is debatable. Were there nighthouses on Mars before um, before the heresy? Absolutely. Were there nighthouses on Mars before Old Night? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we have uh, examples of three. The three are House Tyrannus, uh, House Morbidia, and House Zavora, uh, Zavora. Uh, I don't have any information on House Savora. I, I couldn't tell you um, if they were loyalist or traitor. Um, probably, maybe both, maybe neither. Uh, but those houses that were on Mars before the uh, the heresy uh, were not subject to the Throne Mechanicum. So how they interface with their knights is a bit different. And they don't have those protocols that Jason just talked about. Uh, and the indoctrinations of sort of chivalry and bloodline and nobility, those are not present in House Tyrannus. And House Tyrannus makes a big deal about that. And they kind of keep it a secret. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they don't have the, the same, uh, uh, I guess they don't have the same lineage or the same history as the other houses do with the Throne Mechanicum. So Alex, I think to your point, uh, could a Forge World create a nighthouse? Absolutely. Uh, they would just have to find pilots that are suitable to it, right? So you would either have to 
somehow subvert the throne mechanicum or you would have to find pilots that could interface with it because uh, I have this here somewhere in the book. I believe it's the Knight Compendium. The process for interfacing with a knight is uh, called the Ritual of Becoming. And it's a pretty hazardous process, right? So during the Ritual of Becoming, you can be... Um, I mean, you can be, be brain dead. You could be mind wiped. You could be paralyzed. Um, so, so during that ritual of becoming, you kind of interface with the knight, the MIU Jason talked about, and then you know if you are accepted into it, you you become the pilot. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a, it's an interesting question. Uh, I don't know if we have any more examples. Do you guys know of any? Examples of Forge Worlds creating night houses. I know of Forge Worlds discovering night houses and then claiming them, but I don't know of any other ones besides Mars of actually like creating night houses. Uh, I'm clueless on my end. I was actually. Like, I mean, maybe creating night armor, but not night houses specifically. I think Tyrannus is pretty uh, unique in that. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 certainly been my on that part um but uh but yeah <clears throat> it is it, it's an interesting question you'd think right like forge world that has the the capacity to um repair or create night chassis you know like hey man like uh, like go find somebody to plug into this right like just go out and like do some things and do some like you know surveys and test some people and you know, have a f- fucking night house, right? But uh, but it it doesn't appear to be that easy. So, for whatever reason, uh, night pilots are not uh, easy to come by. So, whatever that pro- process, the ritual becoming that indoctrination, that that interface with the MIU, um, it really does seem to be uh, particular to certain genetics. Um, so bloodline is important. Families are important. Families that can interface with the the night suit become important. And then I think as time goes on, because you're dealing with uh, MIU, which we know is like sort of a, a machine spirit, right? A machina anima. Uh, you know, those bloodlines resonate. So you plug into a night chassis and you're not just communing with the night, you're communing with all of the pilots that have come before you. And if that happens to be your father, your grandfather, your great grandfather, you know, your brother, uh, maybe that makes it easier. You know, maybe you're not dealing with so much uh, noise and, um, you know, dissidence that, or dissonance that, you, you know, maybe those things help with the process of, uh, of interfacing with the night. Those but are my I mean- theory. Yeah. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I mean, we, we can e- deduce and assume, like, at least from everything we've found and everything you've found, Dave, that, you know, it's not like the Mechanicum can make a chassis and stick a brain in the brain in a jar in it and hope it functions. You know, this isn't yeah. like your simple Thalax. Right, exactly. Like, could you could you make a night chassis f- that functions on a, like, a court, a, a, a cybernetic cortex yeah you probably could but it wouldn't be as efficient it wouldn't be as lethal it wouldn't be as independent as right um as as a knight that has a, a living pilot in it 
Yeah, that's and the, it doesn't yeah. have that cascading stream of ideas from from you know your father, your grandfather, your great grandfather, your great 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 grandfather, and that whole I guess database database of of tactical know how. Yeah, yeah, that's that's certainly my read on it. I think it's uh, it's a really cool idea. I think it's a really cool point of lore. Um, and uh, and yeah, so when we actually dive into the specific nighthouses, um, I've got even more cool shit to give you guys on uh, House Tyrannus and how they really are outside of the the fold. Uh, they don't they don't they don't operate like the other you know the other houses, but. Uh, but yeah, I know we've got uh, Jason. We got a little bit more to get to, or do you want to? Did you want to get? Uh, did you want to give our special guest a uh, a plug here? Yeah, I think uh, now's a halfway decent time, uh, guys. We're gonna turn it over to our guest adjunct professor Jake, and Jake is gonna give us the rundown on a very special nighthouse you've heard a lot about over our coverage of the Coronet Deeps. Uh, this is Archmajos Dracovac's more or less uh, personal flunkies, uh, House Atrax. Well, I'm gonna, I'm sure gonna do my damnedest, um, and obviously feel free to to jump in with anything that you feel I've missed. Hey, it's okay, Jake. That's all we do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just just fake it until you make it, right? There you Absolutely. go. All right. Well, um, as a nighthouse that's near and dear to my heart, uh, House Atrax is. An example of like what Jason was saying earlier, where you have this spectrum of how loyal are Mechanicum bound nighthouses. And Atrax is definitely on the most fascist side of that, uh, where you have the Scions basically being locked in jail cells when not in use, uh, holding their own knights hostage against them and systematically purging any kind of rebellious or independent thought from the scion lineages. So it's uh, it's pretty hardcore stuff. Um, so House Atrax uh, hails from the world of Arian, which is in the Coronid Deeps, which, you know, obviously you guys have probably heard a little bit something about them. Um, maybe, maybe just a smidge, you know, you're at least familiar. Um, and Archmega's Dracovic, you know, comes across this little little planet here, and it's like, oh, that's cute. Uh, there's a little nighthouse here. It's been here hanging out. You know what? I'm gonna take that. That's uh, that's mine now. And basically, systematically goes about conquering the planet and subjugating the knights to his, you know, to control and whim. And uh, Jason, you you probably know more about this than I would, but you want to you want to tell the tell the folks about the the fish people genocide. Uh, Keep the fish people out of this. Uh, big fan of fish people genocide. Abe Sapien deserves your love. Does he? I think that's that's a topic of hot debate. Uh, and there was a little too much uh, fish person related love in Shape of Water, which again is a terrible movie. I, I wouldn't know, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I'll, I'll take your word for it. So, Jake, so when we talk about, um, I think, I think like, the spectrum of um, oath-bound houses, right? So Mechanicum oath-bound houses. You know, Jason and I talked about this a little bit um, on our intro episode. Uh, 
you know, laying it all out. So an oath-bound house would be like a house that, you know, has pledged to come to the aid of a forge world, right? So if a forge world is in need, or if it, if it launches a tagmata and, uh, you know, they, they re- require sort of knight support, right? They reach out and the knight house responds because they've, they've sort of given their word of honor, right? They've given their oath. This is not the case with house attracts, right? So we're looking at like, we're looking at like the other end of the spectrum. For like these guys may not even be a house in all respects, right? Like, like, like talk to us a little bit about how you think about that. So if I may start this discussion by reading a small excerpt from the black books, I don't know if that's something you guys are about. <laughs> um, Go for but, it. Uh, the poisoned husk of House Atrax's homeworld, Arian, now serves the Magos of Cyclothraith as a source of raw materials for their wars of conquest and expansion, with legions of imported slaves tearing the ore from the blackened rocks. So this is this is just talking about the homeworld, not to mention anything about the house itself. Um, this is, uh, for those of you keeping track at home, this is Black Book, Book 4, Conquest, on page 98, talking about the bound house of Atrax. Um, so then, you know, we have these excerpts talking about how subservient this house is to basically being a husk of its former glory. And if I'll read a quote from Dracovic himself, these knights are vital components of the Togmata that protect Forge and Fane. Yet, despite their pride, they are but one tool among many, and they will bend to the omnicized will or be broken by it. And if that doesn't sum up his feelings on the matter, then I don't know what will. Yeah, yeah. So this this is this is um this is house Drake, you know, house Atrax, I think, in thrall to Dracovic. Uh I mean they don't get a they don't get a call out in the same way that like House Erthigin, is that how you say it, Pat? Erthigin. Um they don't get a Close they enough. don't get a yeah. Yeah. They'll get a call out in, in the same way. Um, so we're sort of left to uh, to sort of infer. But I, yeah, to me, it just seems brutal, man. It seems like these guys had their homeworld sort of burned to ash uh, by Dracovic and his, his, uh, his dark mechanicum. And then uh, they're basically in thrall. Right, so I would consider this a thrall house. So as as you like Absolutely. look at the spec, yeah, yeah, okay. So, but you play this house, Jake. Like this is your house, right? I mean, I wouldn't say they're my house, but I do play them, or at least I have begun building a knight army based around them. Um, at the moment, I've I've just got two little armagers. That's all I've managed to put together so far. But but yes, I I, I plan to continue with this house because just just the potential for dark mechanicum goodness is just too much yeah no absolutely man if anybody um uh wants to see pictures of of jake's armatures they're phenomenal and uh you've you've done the 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 definitely the dark mechanicum job on them um chains and skulls and spikes and uh yeah they they look every bit the thrall household um that i think they are so, uh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. No, man, absolutely. I can't wait to see what else you come up with for, uh, for the big guys. 
But um, I don't know, Jake. Is there anything else you want to tell us about House Attrax? I mean, not not based on my own kind of uh, 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 speech here. I, I'd be happy to respond and uh, contribute to any further conversation. Although I will say the one thing that I was able to find that um, you guys hadn't gotten a chance to touch on since last episode was since the last episode was recorded, Titan Death has now dropped the Adeptus Titanicus expansion campaign book. And while not really given any more specific lore about House Atrax, I would like to draw y'all's attention to the chart that is provided to us by Forge World in the back of the book. Namely, on page 95, so we're basically to the back cover of the book at this point. And it's just a small chart that's called Trader Night Houses at Beta Garmin. And it's just a list of houses that have... Uh, Put, put their lots in with the War Master and the respective Titan Legios that they kind of fight alongside during the Beta Garmin campaign. And House Atrax is listed. It is aligned with the Mechanicum, as you would expect. And interestingly, its Legio allies are listed as Legio Magna, or the Flaming Skulls. And I don't know if we really know very much about this Legion or Legio, excuse me. Um, is there anything you guys, just based on that revelation, is there anything you guys have to to enlighten us with? So, so no, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up uh, Titan Death, and uh, I think that book is, is phenomenal. Uh, I was going to bring it up as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, that's the first time I've heard about uh, Legio Magna. Um, I hope we hear more about them. I think it's really cool that they're getting uh a call out in titan death uh it makes me think we may see more from them in the future but uh yeah no i i know nothing about legio magna jason you know anything about legio legio magna uh i am just as clueless i am sad to say well see that's the kind of thing i love though because that's that's giving us the the players and the hobbyists license to play uh because I did, I did, you know, a put, putting a little bit of simple arithmetic together here, not necessarily two and two, but something along those lines. So looking at the timelines listed out in book four, talking about Cyclothraith and Arian and Numenal and these kinds of uh, uh, Atrax and Dracovic uh, stomping ground planets. Um, so the liberation of Numenal by Solar Auxilia and House Orlock forces takes place in 009.M31. So presumably this is early in the 31st millennium, unless my uh, imperial dating uh, knowledge is not up to snuff. You guys feel free to correct me. But Don't worry, we'll get Austin on you. Yeah, I know you got to stick Austin on me for my lack of uh, dating knowledge. But... So this is this is the battle that takes place to reclaim the the planet of Numenal and to basically kick Dracovic out of the system, at which he more or less sells Atrax out. You know, th- really just throws him under the bus and uses them as his personal bodyguards as he flees the planet and the subsequent system. Um, so then we look at the dates in Titan death listed for the beta Garmin campaign. And the earliest beta Garmin date is 006.M31. 
specifically 634006.m31. So the campaign, or, you know, when, when fighting uh, fully and truly breaks out in Beta Garmin, this is only a couple years before the liberation of Numenal. And then so we can put those two together and just assume that if House Atrax is listed as one of the traitor night houses taking part in the battles in Beta Garmin, uh, presumably either some of them made it out of the Coronid Deeps or they were out in this in the universe at large at whatever kind of whim and will of Dracovic. Because as we've established, they are his thrall house and they really don't get to do much without his say-so. So presumably, if they're out stomping around in the universe somewhere, they're working to some kind of end of his. So the question that leaves me with is, well, what is Dracovic's relation to house uh, to Legio Magna? Are these his Titan Legios? Uh, does he have his own? Did he make them? Has he made a uh, an alliance with some other Magos that has? you know, a, a Titan Legio under their command. These are just interesting questions that I personally would love the answer to. Well, that's really good, man. Uh, definitely. We will take notes on that. And find on page 102 and 103 of book four, uh, Jake, this might be of interest to you. And I know it'll be of uh, interest to our listeners as well. Um, it's sort of on point here. But they're two beautiful call-out boxes, or not call-out boxes. They're two beautiful full-plate colors of uh, House Atrax Questorus Knight Styrix, right? So it's uh, Radamontha, uh, Radamonth is the name of the, the knight. Yes, And it is. says, yeah, released from its confinement on Arion to the control of the Atrax Scion Andarthon. Right for the assault on Numenal, Radamanth, whose throne mechanicum was tainted with aberrant malefic machine spirits, right, claimed four night kills during the fighting. But that basically says whose throne mechanicum was tainted with aberrant malefic ma machine spirits. So this is to me, this suggests that. Uh, Archimagos Dracovic was basically tampering with the Throne Mechanicum. Uh, he probably uh, put corrupted scrap code in there, and then um, that that was how the the Night House fell. Essentially, became uh, thrall to to Dracovic and the Dark Mechanicum. But it's all through the Throne Mechanicum, man. It's Absolutely, right this definitely has the trappings of. Uh, warp-tainted scrap code chicanery that we've come to know and love. But I also, I also would like to to draw attention to one of the, you know, very insignificant words you just read from that excerpt. But just to kind of drive home the point of how non-individualized this nighthouse is, released from its confinement on Arian. Not he, not she, as you know, many night scions often associate their knights with one gender or another but this but radamanth is straight up an it it is very much a tool and is viewed as such yeah we we encountered that with another the knights had basically been separated from the the scions right um and 
that they were essentially both in confinement and that they were only allowed to, uh, you know, basically pilot the night and, and, you know, go out uh, at the behest of uh, whatever, you know, Magos was in charge. So very much a thrall, very much a uh, in servitude to the Dark Mechanicum and uh, and Dracovic. Um, so, yeah, brutal, brutal. Not a not a great place to be if you uh, if you are of the bloodline and a noble. It is a uh, it is a a raw deal, but certainly uh, one of the shorter straws to draw in terms <laughs> of night house lineage. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But uh, but very grim and very dark, which fits with uh, w- with Fitch with fits with uh, where we are. So, now, Jason, did you have any uh, nights that you wanted to get as you wanted to get into before I, I dive into the packed morbidia? Uh, not that I can think of. I'm kind of looking forward to the packed morbidia myself. All right, all right, guys. So Take without it away, further, Dave. I have I have I have talked this up quite a bit here. So I'm going to get into it. Um, the Pact of Morbidia, originating on Mars during the earliest days of the Age of Strife, House Morbidia began as one of the early rivals of the houses of Tyrannus and Zavora for power and the favor of the Omnissiah's priesthood. During those dark and lost centuries, however, House Morbidia erred and for crimes the truth of which have been long suppressed within the vast and ancient data cores of the Red Planet, it was pronounced excommunicate by the Fabricator General and condemned. There followed a series of bitter and bloody battles which brought the defiant scions of the house at last to their knees and surrender, their power broken. As the price of their survival, the House of Morbidia was forced to accede to crippling demands of servitude imposed by their new overlords, not least of all submission to the office of the Fabricator General, quote, until such times as the stars themselves burned cold, unquote. So basically, this is a house that has uh, gone rogue and been quashed and that the price of their survival is their absolute servitude. So even probably beyond that of Atrax, right, who are kept in thrall by Dracovic, this is a house that was once great and that has been brought to heel, uh, presumably by the other houses, by House Tyrannus and House uh, Zavora, although it doesn't specify Um and they're basically now beholden to the office of the Fabricator General. What's interesting about the Pact of Morbidia and House Morbidia is uh, the, what was left of the Night House after they were basically uh, brought to heel, right, and, and uh, given this ultimatum, is uh, they're described as slave warriors, right? So the scions condemned to live and die at the will of the fabricator general for the dim and forgotten sins of their forebears. But they're never, they never get like to be large in number again. So they're, they never have a, a large house. And um, the scions are basically, their ranks are sort of um, supplanted by other 
rogue night houses. So it's basically, it becomes almost like the penance night house, right? It's like that penal colony of night houses, right? So like if you are a night house or a night scion and you just really fuck up, right? Like you just really go rogue. Um, you'll probably end up in, in, you know, in Morbidia, in the house of Morbidia. But the interesting thing is that you, you know, these are not, uh, uh, they're not like antiquated knight armors. These are the best of the best. So you, you, you are getting the top of the line knight chassis and knight armament. Um, but you also answer directly to the fabricator general and. Unfortunately, for those in the House of Morbidia, at the time of the Horus Heresy, uh, the rogue uh, fabricator general, Kelbor Hall, or if you are of the persuasion, the true fabricator general, Kelbor Hall, um, takes House of Morbidia with him, and then they uh, basically become traitors to the Imperium, and the House of Morbidia is listed as fighting alongside Legio Mortis and uh, Legio Magna, which we just talked about. As there, well those as, guys are popping up again. I'm telling you, man, these guys, we, we, we got to go back and look at these guys. I think, they're, uh, I think they're in the lore more than we think. And uh, they are also, House of Morbidia is also listed as being independent to the Dark Mechanicum battle groups, such as the Tagmata Satariel, Satariel, which... Jason, what is the, the Tagmata Sadariel? That's um, what's her name? That's the the Dark Magos Sadariel, yeah. right? That would require a pretty deep bunch of googling on the part. Okay. Um, yeah, some black you, belt level Google foo. So, so check that out. Um, but I, I do think there's the there's the Dark Magos uh, Sadariel. Isn't she the chick? That shows up on um, Talarn, right? Have you guys read Talarn, the Black Library books? Talarn, isn't she the the weird the weird Magos that shows up? And huh. uh, I don't know, man. It's just ringing a bell. I could be way yeah. off, but that's uh, a good question. But yeah, I think she's I think she's in there. But but to bring it back, so just like Jake said, page ninety five on um, the new Titan Death. Uh, campaign book for Adeptus Titanicus. House Morbidia is listed um, in the roles of Trader Night Houses at Beta Garmin, and they are fighting with uh, Legio Mortis. So I hope we see more on them. But uh, yeah, they're very cool. And I think the big thing here, guys, for, for, for folks following along at home, is they're one of three night houses that originated on Mars before the heresy and before the great crusade. They are from probably before old night and they are uh, an anomaly among the night houses because the knights that originated on Mars don't have the throne mechanicum in the same way, right? Those, those, uh, those protocols haven't been loaded in the throne mechanicum in the same way. Uh, that some of the Imperial uh, Knights and the, the Knight Worlds that are discovered during the Great Crusade, sort of they get subverted. So, and then House of Aura. I mean, fuck, I, House of Aura. There's a Knight House that I just have never heard of before. So 
Um, we've got another uh, Easter egg there for you guys to, to dig into. And um, yeah, that is my uh, spiel on House Morbidia. Hand it back to Jason for, uh, for closing. All right, guys. Well, uh, displaying like, the perfect reason why he's our producer, uh, Pat has managed to uh, track down uh, in our sartarial which I really appreciate because kind of the same deal as Dave. It was really ringing a bell, but uh, could not actually remember where it was from. So uh, Einar Sartarial actually has his own rules in one of the uh, black books. Uh, he is... Um, oh, wait, we talked ahead. about his rules um, yeah, like three uh, or four episodes ago, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, he's from the Forge World of Incaladian. But uh, we will... Uh, yeah, because he was the dude that was, uh, like, liquefied, and he was stuck into, like, his own little wacky automata dreadnought thing. All right, it's coming back. It's coming back. Boy, that was embarrassing, getting old at all. But, uh, yeah, so thanks, Pat, for uh, dredging that up for us. Appreciate it. Yeah, listeners, if you wanna if you wanna learn more about him, uh, it's uh, book three, primarily pages uh, two sixteen and two seventeen. But but go take a look. Um, tell us what you think, and you know, yeah, do but some reading. Now I got to figure out who that chick Talarn is. Well, now the listeners have homework, and you have homework. So I suppose that's fair. I mean, this is a grad school level uh, podcast episode, after all. Absolutely. I mean, that would put me roughly at doctoral candidate level. I still got stuff to do. I'm going to have a thesis to defend at some point in the future. <laughs> All right, folks, I think that is the long and short of it for this evening. Guys, you got anything else for us? I know I'm good. Uh, Dave, you got anything else? No, guys, thanks for listening. And, uh, I was gonna say, Jake, why don't you, uh, you know, let's let's do some plugging for some of your your beautiful models. I, 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 I have been informed say... by the management that I should I should pl- do be doing some plugging, so um, I will yeah. do that. Um, guys, uh, my handle is minis underscore by underscore applesauce. Uh, you can find me on both Instagram and on Twitch a few nights a week if you'd like to watch the creative process unfold live and um yeah yeah feel free to come out and hang out and stay high and uh i've i've actually gotten kind of a reputation from some of my viewers of of given the uh uh ghetto chestnut walnut version of uh 30k lore because there there are a lot of people coming to my chat that that ask about 30k stuff because i work on a lot of titanicus and world eaters and blood angels and all kinds of good stuff so yeah i I will say he did a absolutely amazing job for for me Uh, he had me a secret santa and did an amazing job on a uh night lancer for uh my my night house which is actually out of book four i think it's page 183 if i remember correctly um but like dude he did like the battle scar, like all the battle damage, all the freehand. You look at the picture of the Lancer, you look at the actual model, 
you may as well have just like pulled it out of the book. It, it's amazing. I did try to give Great Thunor a uh, good of a realistic rendition as I could. Yes. And he looks amazing. And I know he's working on some projects for Dave. He uh, he worked on some Speed Freaks for me, which were absolutely beautiful models. Um, can't wait to see what else you're cooking up, man. I know I, I hop on your, your Twitch stream every once in a while, but listeners, definitely go go follow him. All right. The creative pots do continue to ever overflow. Well, lest we forget, uh, Jake, as our uh, guest lecturer for the evening, you have our most important task. Uh, you get to officially tell Craig to fuck off for the night, if you would. Sounds great. All right, guys, thanks so much. Fuck off, Craig. Craig, yeah. fuck off. Eh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>